be in the house of the Lord and see everyone here on Wednesday night. And we're looking forward to what God has in store for us. Um, the book of Hebrews, chapter number 6 and verse number 1. If you have it, say amen. Amen. It says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Amen. Of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened... And have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them. By whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. And verse number 9 is where I want to draw your attention tonight. It says, But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation. Can we say that line together? And things that accompany salvation. Though we thus speak, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And I want to uh, teach for a little bit tonight on the line that we read together, things that accompany salvation. Things that accompany salvation. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated for a few moments. Amen. I will tell you that I'm still battling a little bit of sickness, so I might have the occasional cough. And I had the uh, revelation tonight that I have outgrown this sport coat I'm wearing, but I already brought it to church. So I tried to button it up, and I was like, wait a minute, this is a little stretch here. So this will be my last time wearing this sport coat, but uh, the Bible says the fat is the Lord, so I must be blessed. God's been good to me. And... Uh, I think once I started, once I had a little baby, I just got fatter and fatter and just happier and happier. And uh, when you have a baby, as I've learned, you just kind of want to sit around and watch them all day. And as a result, you don't really do much. We just sit and play with them. And so uh, the pounds keep climbing higher and higher, and the scale gives me a negative report every time I look at it. Amen. Uh, <laughs> somebody say, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, things that accompany salvation. Um, this is a lesson that is uh, not necessarily for uh, somebody that is fresh off the street, if you will. Uh, but this is something that is for the church tonight. And I believe that there will be bits and pieces that each one of us can apply to our lives. And that will help each and every one of us to become more like Christ and more what uh, the Lord wants us to be. Uh, let me first start off by saying tonight that salvation should be. The primary quest of every individual. Amen. The song says above all else I I must be saved. And that is still the primary quest and the goal of our church. Of this church is to see 
salvation come to everybody in this city and in this area. Jesus taught us to make seeking first the kingdom of God our number one priority. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. And there is no greater position in life than being saved from the bondage of sin. I am thankful tonight that I don't have to wake up uh, giving myself to uh, the demands of my flesh and the demands of sin and the demands of the taskmaster of sin. Jesus has set me free and he has for many of us tonight. this is why Jesus came. He said, uh, Jesus came. He said, I am come to seek and to save. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. It's, it's the primary goal of the Lord Jesus coming to this earth. And when we receive salvation, we discover in this key text that we read uh, tonight that there are several things that accompany the experience of the new birth. It is, uh, it is my desire to see as many people come to this altar in a church service like tonight or Sunday morning or uh, or a Friday night youth event and come to an altar and give their heart to God and God fill them with the Holy Ghost after they've repented of their sins and to see them being baptized in Jesus' name. It is a beautiful thing. It is a wonderful thing. And I believe it is for everybody. And, and if you don't have that experience tonight, amen, I wouldn't leave this place tonight without speaking in tongues and being baptized in Jesus' name. For the remission of sins. Your life will change. Amen. For the better. And if you allow the spirit of God to work in your life. It will bring transformation tonight. Uh, But verse number 7 that we read here tonight. Uses an illustration of God blessing the earth. With rain. For a particular purpose. To produce vegetation. Uh, God blesses uh, this earth with rain. That it might produce things. And God blesses you and I when we come to an altar or we come to a service like tonight. And God fills us with the Holy Ghost and, and the rain comes upon our life like the Lord gives the rain upon the earth. And it is for a specific reason. It is for a specific purpose so that you and I will bear forth fruit. Yes. And we will be productive in the calling that God has placed upon our lives. Yes. It is not the will of God that, that rain comes down upon the earth for the ground to get soggy. That's not why God sends the rain. God sends the rain upon the earth so that the earth will it, it will in turn produce fruit. It will in turn produce things that, that you and I can uh, take enjoyment from and take uh, that we can take cover from. It is there is a reason why God sends the rain upon the earth, and there is a reason why God sends the rain upon His people so that we will be productive and that we will uh, we will be we will multiply. And I begin to read this scripture and begin to study it. And the Bible says in verse number 8, But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. What's the issue with thorns and briars? Why is it that thorns and briars is called out in the scripture, and it is, uh, it is uh, uh, after the thorns and briars comes, there's a curse that comes upon it. What's the issue with thorns and briars. Anybody want to answer that tonight? What is what's the issue with thorns and briars that the Lord doesn't like? There's no water. Thorns and briars. Anybody else? Thorns and briars incurred God's cursing because they not only were non-productive, 
Thorns and briars don't produce fruit. Thorns and briars don't produce fruit. But not only were they non-productive, but they also were a detriment to fruit-bearing plants. Thorns and briars are the things that choke out uh, those plants that are trying to produce. And so God cursed the thorns and the briars because those were non-productive, but they also were a detriment to fruit-bearing plants. And each one of us tonight will fall into one of these two categories. A fruit-producing child of God or something that uh, sucks the life out of others. Something that is non-productive. Amen. Things that accompany salvation when allowed to control our lives will by all means produce qualities and character that is pleasing to God. And God wants this church to be productive. God wants this church, amen, to produce things and to be multiplying on a regular basis. We stop and we take a a little bit of a closer look at the word that is used uh, even in our title message tonight, things that accompany salvation. And the word accompany in verse number nine means when we are saved, there are some powerful things that go along with being saved. Amen. There are some things that happen. There are some things that God wants to attach to a person's life when they are saved. While salvation and the things, uh, while salvation and the things accompanying salvation are two distinct concepts, they are inseparable. These things are an integral part of salvation itself. And I'm going to stop and ask you if you've ever heard the phrase. Some of the younger folks probably. Have you ever heard the phrase, if you mess with one bean, you mess with the whole burrito? burrito. (laughs) There's a connection. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you tonight, and this is probably a poor example. I'll give you a better one in a minute. Uh, But if if, if God gives you salvation, there's a whole lot more that God wants to give you. A few years ago, uh, my... Uh, in-laws were, were blessed to be able to buy a, or to lease a Mercedes-Benz. And I thought, wow, these people are rich. <laughs> and I got to talking to them and they said that, oh, since we lease the Mercedes-Benz, uh, we don't have to pay for maintenance. It comes along with it. We don't have to pay for car washes. When we leased the Mercedes-Benz, it came along with it. There was all of these different things that came along with that purchase. When God saved you, God didn't just give you the Holy Ghost, amen, but God wanted to deposit some other things into your spirit, amen, and you didn't maybe realize it, but there's a whole lot more that comes along with being saved than just coming to church and being filled with the Holy Ghost. There is something that it goes with you when you leave this place. There are things that God gave you, amen, when he gave you the Holy Ghost, there's some things that are going to accompany that salvation experience. And if you will allow God to work in your life, you'll begin to look around and find, wait, God's doing this in my life, and God's doing that in my life, and and God's helping me with this, and God's uh, taking away these struggles, and God's helping me overcome this, and God's giving me wisdom for this, and God's blessing me with that. God is wanting to give this people, this church tonight, some things that will accompany that salvation experience. It's important to note that it's uh, from the onset of this lesson tonight. It's important to note that it's not works alone that saves a person. But neither is it faith alone that saves a person. There's people from different spectrums and they'll say, well, uh, you know, what? You're, not, you're talking about works tonight. And those it's not by works that we're saved. 
And there's others that say, uh, well, you know, it's, it's not by faith alone. It's, it, there's people that will go to different sides of the spectrum, but it's, it's really uh, combined together. As James says, show me your, your faith and I'll show you my works. And there, there's a linkage that happens in the word of God with faith and with works. And it's faith, uh, but it's faith with works that saves a person. It's obedience to the word of the Lord, good morals, self-discipline. And righteous acts. Those are all wonderful things. Amen. Having good morals, having self-righteousness, and, and having righteous acts. But those alone don't save a person. The Bible says uh, in Romans 4 and 1 through 21, and James 2 and 21 through 24, that Abraham's faith was evidenced by his works, which brought him justification. Faith coupled or grouped together, faith combined with obedience such as repentance, baptism, and praying brings salvation. It's believing, but it's also stepping out and showing the evidence of your faith that brings about salvation. And these are not these are not self-righteous acts of human effort, such as repentance and baptism and praying. These are not self-righteous acts of human effort, but they are acts of obedience to God's word. And tonight, if we will, uh, if we will allow ourselves, and we will, uh, we will make ourselves, if you will, be obedient to the Word of God. Amen. There is a certain thing that we can experience as, as that will accompany the salvation experience that God's given us. Salvation from sin will produce a new creature in Christ, according to Second Corinthians five and seventeen. It's one who walks in newness of life and obedience to God's Word, and it is the unchanged. Compromising so-called Christian that really is a hindrance to God's kingdom. It's the man or woman, boy or girl that's that comes to church time after time and is unchanged. And they're always compromising in their walk with God. And they call themselves Christians that are a great hindrance to the kingdom of God. I remember hearing a song years ago. uh, I think it was DC Talk. And one of the uh, preludes to one of their songs, there was a conversation that went back and forth. And it said, the number one cause of atheism in the world, you guys remember this? The number one cause of atheism in the world is people who, who go to church and say they're Christians. And, and, they, and they say that they're living for God and they go out and do something completely opposite. It, it, it sucks the faith out of people around them. And they say, well, if you call yourself a Christian and you're not living for it then there must not be a God. It's people that are unchanged. They, they come to church service after service and they leave the same way and they never allow the Holy Ghost to work in their lives. That causes a lot of doubt and confusion in people's minds in the world around us. But the Lord Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? God. Good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about, and there's three things I'm going to talk about tonight that accompany salvation. There's a whole lot more, but for the sake of time, we're going to talk about three things and try to boil it down to these few points. The first thing that will accompany salvation will be transformation. Praise the Lord. It will be that subject of transformation. You say, well, I came to church and God moved in my life and I felt the Holy Ghost and I spoke in tongues. Amen. If you... If you allow that to happen in your life and if you get to a place of a regular daily prayer before the Lord and you're seeking the face of God, there will be transformation that happens in your life. 
There will be a different look upon your face, a different way in the which you, in the way you talk, in the way you walk. That people will look at your life and say, uh, "There's something different about you." That's that is what we call transformation. I'm going to say it like this, and this is a, uh, something I found in my study. Sinners do not evolve into Christians. Sinners do not evolve into Christians. They are rather transformed into Christians by the power of the Holy Ghost. And I said, and I want you to pay close attention to how I said that. It's by the power of the Holy Ghost. It's when you allow the Holy Ghost and the power that's resident in the Spirit of God to work in your life, to work on a, in your life on a daily basis. If you're struggling to live for God, if you're struggling to, to obey the Word of God, let the Holy Ghost fill you up on a daily basis. Get on your face before God and don't get out of that place of prayer until you talk to, in tongues and the Holy Ghost has come down and God's filled you with His Spirit and you've allowed it to fill you up and to work on your heart and to work on your mind and to work on your soul. Let that Holy Ghost work. There is an immediate supernaturally wrought change that transpires when God Comes into a person's life. I've seen it on people that have come to church here many times. Or people that when a, even uh, I think this last weekend, my uncle, he was here. Sit back where Brother Josh was sitting. And my uncle Adam, he doesn't know the Lord the way that we know the Lord. Uh, and he has, uh, he came to us, I think it was a Thursday night. Maybe it was Thursday night of last week, and happy to see my uncle Adam and, and rejoice to see him. It's been a long time. When we lived at home, we'd see him more often because we were at my my parents' house. Uh, but we took a picture, uh, and I began to look at my uncle Adam and then my dad right next to him. My dad is like 20 years older than him, but looks 20 years younger than him. And and I saw that look on my uncle Adam's face, just a look of despair, a look of Sadness, something, uh, not really sure how to completely describe it, but they're just had a, he just, he didn't look good. And then just in a short, in a period of a few days, my brother Paul teaching him a Bible study and praying with them on Friday night, and my dad giving him a Bible study on Saturday about uh, the oneness of God, and him coming to church. He he started to look a little bit better. There started to be a little bit of a brighter countenance on him. He didn't have that uh, such of a uh, the extent of that hopeless look on his face. God could do more in his life, but you can see how the Spirit of God as it begins to work in a person's life, it begins to brighten their countenance. They can find a smile beneath that frown or beneath that uh, that face of theirs. But you and I've seen it in other people that as they come to church and they get a hold of God, they they look brighter. I'm not even I'm just gonna that's how I can that's how I say it. That's how I know it. Uh, you see someone in and it's not because they're uh, dark skinned or light skinned or whatever uh, shade of their skin color, uh, but there's just a brightness. There's a glow upon a person's face. When you encounter the Lord, when you encounter God and His Spirit works in your life, there's, there's a transformation that takes place. The, the, the word in the Greek is, uh, uh, it's, it comes from the root word or from the word metamorphosis. Transformation, metamorphosis. There's a change that happens. There's a change that happens. 
I remember in, in school studying about metamorphosis and they began to talk about the tadpole. You guys remember this, this subject in school? They have to talk about the tadpole, how it swims around in, in the water, and eventually the tadpole begins to change. It begins to be transformed and it becomes, uh, with time, a frog. Or the other uh, example of metamorphosis is that, uh, I think it's a, a, a caterpillar, uh, that begins to wrap itself in that, that silk cocoon and begins to get all wrapped up and eventually it emerges from the cocoon as a butterfly. And we think, wow, that's amazing. How could a little ugly caterpillar uh, go into a, a little silk cocoon and, and emerge with these beautiful, intricate, uh, colored and, and delicate wings and begin to flap around and, and all these things. And that's, that's a metamorphosis. That's a transformation. That butterfly can never go back and become a worm or a caterpillar. That, that frog can never go back and become a tadpole. It has been transformed. It has metamorphosized. It has been changed. And God wants to bring a change into somebody's life tonight that you can literally, amen, look different, walk different, talk different, live different. Amen. There's nothing. There's not an ounce of the old man or the old woman. But God wants to bring radical transformation to a person's life. God wants to bring change into somebody's life. It is the will of God that everybody in this place experience a transformative process in the face, in the presence of God, on their face before the Lord, in prayer, with hands uplifted. Amen. Whatever the posture is, it is God's will that you and I be transformed and we become more like Him. More like Him. More like Him. The definition of transformation is the act or the operation of changing the form or the external appearance. It is a change in form or appearance. Uh, it is a change in nature, a change in disposition, a change in condition, a change in character. Amen. There is God wants to change your outlook on life. God wants to change your attitude, the way that you respond to people. God wants to change your spirit. Amen. Where it's not a nasty, mean spirit. Where don't talk to me like that because I'll snap back at you. But God wants to give somebody in this place a sweet spirit, a gentle spirit that says, Oh, preacher, if you got a revelation from the Word of God, just let me know what it is. I want to be more like Him. I want to do what God wants me to do. I want to be calm when God wants me to be calm. I want to have that sweet, gentle, pliable spirit, that teachable spirit. I never want to look at the preacher and say, try to convince me I'm wrong. I want to look at the preacher and say, just just give me something. Just let, I want to receive something. I'm sure I can get a hold of something that's being taught tonight or something that's being preached tonight and apply it to my life. I want to be changed. Even tonight, 2019, it's, what, it's crazy. We're already almost 2020. Neither you nor I have reached a point where we've made it. Neither you or I have reached a point where we can say, Brother Walmer, don't teach me no more about prayer. Right. Neither you or I can reach a point where we say, Pastor, don't teach me no more about the Word of God. I, I got it. Thank you. Right. No. There's got to be something. There's something more in this Word that I can get. Yes. That I'm not what I, what I want to be. 
I'm not what I used to be, but I'm not where I want to be yet. I want more of him. I want to be more like him. Just a few days ago, we were talking to my mom. I said, Mom, if you see something in me that's not right, correct me. I receive it. I'm not where I need to be yet. I'm not where I want to be. If somebody, uh, I respect Brother Walmart, if he corrects me, I receive that. I want, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be transformed. God, help me to be what you want me to be. Help me to be what you want me to be. Just a few days ago, seeing uh, on Instagram, a uh, brother that went to a uh, foreign country was showing a video of a potter on the potter's wheel forming the, the clay. That that potter just gets that clay. He has that spindle going and he's, he's, he's moving that thing. He's shaping it exactly what he wants it to be. That clay doesn't tell him at any point, don't, that's enough. I, I, think, I, I think I'm beautiful enough. No, that clay is going to mold exactly to what the potter has in mind. And if that clay resists it, that potter will grab that clay and say, this thing's no good. I'm throwing it to the side. This thing just got a lot of stuff in it. I don't want the Lord to say, you know what, I, I, I can't work with this no more. I want to say, okay, God, if you want me to bend here, I'll bend there. If you want me to, to move here, I'll move there. Whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to be, God, I want to be transformed. Romans chapter 12 and 1 says, be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. That word renewing is a present ongoing word. So therefore, if if renewing has to happen on a regular basis, then so does the transformation. If the renewing has to happen on a regular basis, then so does the transformation daily. God, I don't want to be conformed. God, this world is putting pressure upon me to conform. My friends are telling me to do this, and I don't want to conform. So I'm going to daily renew my mind, and I'm going to daily allow the transformative process to happen in my life. I want to be transformed, not conformed, but transformed by the renewing of my mind. Don't let me be the same, God. Don't let me, God, just give in to the the, the will of the flesh and the will of the world and the pressures that are around me. But let me be transformed. None of us can can just uh, uh, be unaffected by the things of this world. You're either going to be conforming or you're going to be transforming. You don't just sit back and say, well, this world doesn't affect me. You're either conforming or you're transforming. I want to be transformed. God, I want to be more like you. Growth and maturity occur in time. They occur in time. The subjects of growth and maturity occur in time. While transformation accompanies salvation. Teachable spirits. Teachable spirits. Obedient attitudes and a willingness to learn. And accept Bible truths and ordinance are attributes of transformation. You say, well, I, I want to be transformed. Then your prayer ought to be, God, if I'm going to continue to be transformed, that means I've got to have a teachable spirit. I've got to, I've got to say, okay, God, what, what adjustments do I got to make? What course corrections do I have to make? I want to have an obedient attitude. I want to have a willingness to learn. 
and to be able to accept greater revelations that God has for me. Some of us have been living on on a particular plane of life, and God says, well, I want to take you higher than that plane. But in order for you to go from where you are to where I want you to be, you've got to make some adjustments. Some of you got to work on your attitudes. Some of you have to work on your spirits. Some of you have to work on your understanding of the word of God and say, okay, God, what does this word teach me? How am I going to live my life? And if the word of God conflicts and it, and it goes against the, the grain of my life, then I'm going to make the adjustments in my life that it might line up with the word of God. Yes. That I might be what he wants me to be. And in the process, I'm being transformed. And I'm not looking like the tadpole no more, but I'm looking like the frog. Or I'm not looking like the old caterpillar no more. I'm looking like the beautiful butterfly. I'm not looking like the old man no more, the old woman. But I'm starting to look more like him. And when people see my life, they don't see the old liar, the old cheating, the old fornicating, the old cussing, the man that I used to be. But they see someone that's pure. Someone that's walking in authority and obedience to God. Someone that looks like you. God, let me look more like you and less like this world. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've got to be more like Jesus and less like this world. Transformation calls for many things tonight. Transformation calls for a change in dress. It it affects all of us, all of our lives, every aspect of our lives. Transformation calls for a change in lifestyle. Transformation calls for a change in our speech and the way that we talk. I appreciate Brother Walmer a few services ago talking about some of the things, the words that we use, our speech, and the the way that we uh, talk, the way that we address one another. That that came back to my mind many times as I was going through the rest of my week. You know what? But wait a minute. Make sure. Speak a little bit more carefully. And that 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 preaching, that teaching of that word of God, it's if you allow it, it'll linger and it'll stay in your heart and your mind. You'll begin thinking, wait a minute, I'm about to say this, I'm about to do that, 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 that the preacher talked about. And I want to keep a right spirit. I want God to continue to work in my life. Transformation calls for a change in moral conduct. It calls for a change um, in our character. Transformation calls for a change in our appearance. How we dress, how we appear before others. It calls for a change in our attitude. Transformation. Transformation calls for a change in our spirit. Amen. The Bible says a a meek and gentle spirit talks about that. A broken and a contrite heart, O God, that will thou not despise. Not somebody that with pride says, you're not going to tell me what to do. You're younger than me. You don't know what you're talking about. You're wet behind the ears. You have ex- that's, that's not the right attitude that God wants us to exemplify. God wants us to have a sweet spirit, a gentle attitude, an obedient heart. Some, a spirit that's willing to, uh, to be transformed over and over again. Work in my life, God. Work, work in my life. What areas of my life do I need, do I need to be adjusted Transformation 
will mandate your, you and I to provide restitution to others that we've stolen from or taken from. It'll happen in a moment. Case in point, in the book of Luke chapter 19, the story is told of Zacchaeus. The moment that God began to uh, come into Zacchaeus' life and there was that interaction, Zacchaeus and Jesus, what was Zacchaeus, one of his first responses? He said, if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. The Lord told him nothing to do about that. The Lord didn't say, Zacchaeus, you've been a thief. You've stolen from people. You need to you need to provide restitution. You need to give it back to them. No. When God came into his life, he began to see something. He began to say, you know what? If I'm going to please the Lord, if I'm going to do what's right, I've got to make things right with me and my brother, with me and my sister. If I've wronged this person, if I've offended that person, I'm going to go to them and ask them for their forgiveness. I'm not going to approach the altar unless I've made things right with my God, with my brother, with my sister. And Zacchaeus recognized that when God what comes into a person's life, amen, you've got to make things right on the horizontal before you can connect on the vertical. God, I've got to make things right with my brother because I want to be right with you. And yeah, I cannot sweep things under the rug and I cannot act like things never happened and took place in my life. I've got to go to my brothers and I've got to go to my sisters and I've got to address those things where I've wronged them. Saved people People that have encountered God on a deep level, they simply do not go on living, acting, talking, and going to places they once went and cheating as before. You don't continue living the same life you lived after you came to the Lord. There has to be change. Change is mandated. It's transformation is the thing that accompanies salvation. When when God saves you, there are things that happen into your life, just like the Mercedes Benz, like I told you about earlier. When you got that Mercedes Benz, you don't have to pay for a car wash. You ain't got to pay for maintenance. It, it comes with it. I heard a story years ago about a man that went on a on a, a cruise. He saved up all of his life for, for many years to go on this cruise of a lifetime. And he purchased the tickets and, and he got to the uh, the week or the day before he got to embark on this cruise and he found out we didn't save for food on this cruise. We 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 saved up for years and we penny pinched and we broke the piggy banks and we, we collected bottles and cans and, and we forgot to save for food. All we got was our tickets. Not realizing that that was covered when you got the ticket for the cruise. It came along with it. It's just, and God, there there are some things that God says, when you when I saved you, I, I wanted to do a lot of other things in your life. And God, these things, are, they should be accompanying your life. When I saved you, there was transformation that took place. And if you allowed it to continue to work in your life, and not a one and done deal at an altar, amen, there will be some more things that come out of you. And it will be, uh, you will be becoming what God wants you to become. You're not the same person. If you look at a person's life and three years or two years or four years after living, after getting filled with the Holy Ghost and being baptized, the person looks the same way, they talk the same way, they got the same struggles because they haven't allowed the Spirit of God to get into their heart, into their life, and to transform them and to work on things. Maybe they've ignored it, maybe they pushed aside the voice of God, but if you're allowing the Holy Ghost to work in your life, the Holy Ghost is going to confront some things. As you look in the mirror, as you talk to your friends, it's going to confront some things about the way that you're living. 
And there's going to be change that takes place. The Bible teaches us that we pass from death to life. There's a you went from one stage to a, to another, and from one place of living to another. The Bible talks about you're no longer servants, but your sons. The Bible talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. The Bible talks about you're no longer what we're no longer what we once were. The Bible says such were some of you talking about liars and cheaters and all of these other things. In other words, there there is a transformation that has to happen in a person's life. We are changed into his image from glory to glory is another scripture. We are transformed. We are changed. The second thing that I'm quickly moving to is the first thing was transformation. The second thing is revelation. Psalms 119 and 130 says the entrance of thy words giveth light. The entrance of thy words giveth light. As God's word begins to come into a person's life. As his word comes into a person's life and it enters the entrance of thy word, there's light that's produced. That's one of the things that accompanies salvation. There's revelation. It giveth understanding unto the simple, the entrance of thy word. One of the things that accompanies salvation is revelation. As his word and his spirit comes into your life, God's spirit and his word will illuminate, will brighten, will turn the lights on. When we started church a few moments ago, uh, Brother Noah flipped the light switch and the lights came on. When God begins to come into a person's life and the word of God, we begin to read it and we begin to take it in and we begin to devour the word as the scripture says in Revelation. We begin to eat the book and we begin to get a spirit on the inside. Light begins to come on and suddenly we see, oh, I didn't see Brother Nathan come in, but yeah, there he is. Oh yeah, Brother Josh is here. I didn't see him come in. but there. And you're, you're looking around and you're seeing more things and you realize we're there before and God begins to turn the light switch on for you. But that's what happened when his word comes into your life. If you will allow his word to get in your heart. Revelation brought by salvation will open our minds and spirits to clearly see and understand the things that we both study for ourselves and we are taught by the ministry. The definition of that word revelation, because I know that word. I've grown up in church. I've heard it all my life. I probably take it for granted, but uh, that word revelation it simply means to take the cover off of something. To disclose or to reveal something. When God gives revelation because his spirit and his word comes into your life. The cover is lifted off your eyes. And now you can begin to see some things. And whoa, wait a minute. I never noticed before, but this friend I have, all he does is cuss and talk filth. Before I just, I never paid any attention. I just thought that's just how he is and, We're just having a good time. But the Holy Ghost has shown me, man, this guy's got a foul mouth and a nasty mind. Or we uh, come to the Lord and God moves in our lives and we've got the Holy Ghost. And suddenly we turn on the television and say, man, all this filth is on this TV. It's just vile. The light is turned on. Revelation happens. And we see, wait a minute. I never noticed that before. But yeah, that is in the word of God. Because his spirit is coming to our lives. And the word of God is coming to our lives. Revelation is, is the communication 
of the knowledge of God to the soul. Revelation is, in, in one way, is God communicating to you things about his kingdom, how to live your life, and so forth. In our previous state of spiritual darkness, there were things we could not see. We talked about that a moment ago. But the Holy Ghost helps us to see things that were previously undisclosed to us. Before salvation, the God of this world did blind our minds, according to 2 Corinthians 4 and 4. And our understanding was darkened, according to Ephesians 4 and 18. And before salvation, we were in darkness, Ephesians 5 and 8. But after salvation... After the Holy Ghost has come into our life, after the Word of God begins to work in our lives, the Comforter begins to guide us, the Holy Ghost, into all truths. John 16 and 13. God reveals things to us by His Spirit, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. And God has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7. That's not to say that now that we got the Holy Ghost, we don't have to study the Word of God no more. We don't have to attend church no more because we've got it. We still need to study. We still need to be teachable. We still need to have an obedient spirit to God's Word. These are essential uh, supplements and elements to salvation. We are not exempted from study of the Word and prayer. But when we get the Holy Ghost, God opens our understanding. And light is shined upon us. One of the worst things that I, uh, it's not that bad, but one, one of the things I don't like, I'll put it that way, is every parent's probably experienced it. Your child leaves toys on the floor. My baby's too small for her to clean up after herself. So there'll be times I'll get up in the middle of the night and there's toys on the floor or like bottle caps and all kinds of stuff on the floor. And you know, you forget exactly where it was or maybe she left food on the floor or maybe like we had a few uh, weeks ago, uh, we didn't, we took the diaper off her to give her a, a uh, after we gave her a bath, we took the diaper off before we gave her a bath and then we didn't put it on right away after the bath. And so she went and found a little spot in the carpet and moisturized it. <laughs> and I forgot that she moisturized that part of the carpet and I got up later and I just stepped right on and said, oh, man. <laughs> and there's been other times where I trip on stuff. And I'm like, oh, man. And I can't get mad at the baby. The ba- it's not the baby's fault. She's too small. But if I would have not probably worried about my, mo- my wife too much, I would have flicked the light on. And I could have probably saw a little bit better what was on the floor and not tripped over it. When we get the Holy Ghost, the light is turned on. And we say, I gotta step over this because that's gonna hurt me. I gotta step around this because that's gonna that's gonna mess me up or throw me off course. And the Holy Ghost begins to teach you and say, Don't do that. Go here. And, and go, go, you know, skirt around this issue, right. this issue or address this one head on. The Holy Ghost begins to lead you and guide you, and the lights are turned on. Some things that you and I struggle with over and over again, and we can't seem to get past it. If we allow the Holy Ghost to work in our lives, the Holy Ghost will lead us and will guide us, and the revelation will happen, and there will be a uh, there will be a revealing that happens before us, and we'll begin to see this is a thing that's messed me up time and time again. Some of you can't seem to get past certain things, and there's certain things that trip you over and over and over and over again. You're wondering, why can't I defeat this thing? Why can't can't I get past this sickness or this turmoil or this distress in my life? If you allow the Holy Ghost to work in your life, 
the lights will be turned on. You'll begin to see, wait a minute. It's because I keep doing this dumb thing. It's because I keep picking up this magazine or I keep hanging out with that friend or, or I keep talking like this or and I keep doing this or X, Y, and Z and the Holy Ghost gives you revelation. But the Holy Ghost has to be uh, continued to work in your life. There has to be the renewing of your mind. Amen. There has to be a continual transformation that happens where you say, I'm not going to be conformed to the world. I'm going to renew my mind and I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be more like him. I'm going to be more like him. I'm going to be more like him. Less like the world and more like him. More like him. More like him. God wants to do that in our lives. God wants to bring that revelation. And the final point that I'm going to talk about tonight, and obviously there are lots of things we could go into depth talking about for multiple lessons and multiple services, but for the sake of time, we're boiling it down to these three topics, and we're moving quickly through this subject tonight. The third thing that, and the final thing that accompanies salvation is that word that some of us are so afraid to talk about, but it is true. And it's in the word of God. It's called separation. It's separation. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1. Sister Gina, do you have that? Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1. Fastest hands in the West, right? There we go. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Be not entangled again. Implying that we once were entangled with some things when we were in bondage. Or that lifestyle that we were wrapped up in when we were in sin. The Bible, the writer to Galatians is saying don't go back to that. Don't be entangled again. Be separate. Separate yourselves from that thing that once wrapped you up and just uh, messed you up and just got a hold of your life. Second Peter 2 and 20 says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, and the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. And so the, the writer, uh, even in Second Peter, is talking about don't be entangled. Don't be so wrapped up with the, with the world and, and the things that used to get you uh, boggled down. But be separate from that. Man. Separate yourselves from that old thing that used to wrap you up uh, and used to just tie you down and entangle you. Salvation is always accompanied with separation. And separation comes through two ways. Either, number one, we're separating ourselves from the world and our former lifestyles and associates. Either you're doing the separating or number two, your former friends, family members are separating themselves from you because you don't you no longer fit with them. Amen. That's also what happens. It's not just something and God works in a person's life when God wants to give you revelation and says you need to separate yourselves from the old friends and the old uh, places you used to go. And just in case that doesn't work out, God wants to change your life to such a point that your friends say, man, Brother Victor, don't come around here no more. You kind of mess up our, our deal here. You're thinking, I just, I thought we were, no. God wants to separate. 
God wants to say, I want you to separate from the world, but don't just be an isolated isolationist that's off in the mountains and nobody knows your name, but join together with the body of Christ. Get to church on a Wednesday night. Get to church on a Sunday morning and link up with some other brothers and sisters and get a hold of God. But there must be separation. Why we come to church? We're separating from the world. We're cutting out the world for, for a few hours. And on Wednesday night, we're saying, God, I want to be closer to you. Right. I'm pushing away the world. Right. Coming to church on Wednesday night is separation, whether you know it or not. It's God saying, just get out from that world for a few moments so I can talk to you. Turn off all of the entertainment devices. Turn off all of the different things that, that mess you up and on all of the distractions. Put that aside and let me talk to you. Separate yourselves for a few moments. God's word and the Holy Ghost teaches us to separate ourselves from our former way of living. Answer me this question. If we were lost and on our way to hell before the Lord because of our lifestyle and conduct, does not logic dictate that we have to separate ourselves from such. If before the Lord. Before I gave my heart to God. And, and God filled with the Holy Ghost. I was on my way to devil's hell. I was lost. Because the Bible says I was born in sin. Shape and iniquity. And sin did my mother conceive me. And there are consequences for sin. Was The Bible says the wage of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Before the Lord I was lost. I was on my way to hell. And if I'm going to live for him, I can't keep doing those old things that led me down that path before. I've got to separate myself from the old that I might be joined to that which is new. Revelation, the Holy Ghost will work in your life. And God will begin to speak to some of you tonight that are here in the sound of my voice. If you allow the Holy Ghost to work in your life, God will speak things to you. God began to deal with me some time ago about a friend that I had. Some of you that are close to me know who I'm talking about, but I'm not going to say his name. And every time I talked to this young man, all I thought about was girls, girls, girls. And being crazy and having fun and struggling with the old temptation, the old man. And finally it dawned on me one day, you know what? Every time I talk to this guy, I'm struggling with my flesh again. Every time I talk to this guy, I'm struggling with with the temptations of my flesh. And I'm talking like him and I'm I'm wanting to go places. And the Lord revealed to me, you know what? You got to sever. You got to sever that relationship. But we've grown up together. It doesn't matter. You got to sever some relationships. You got to separate yourselves from that old lifestyle that constantly messed you up those things that you know you didn't realize you know I'm, I'm just constantly struggling with this there's some things that if you'll allow if you'll listen to god god will say hey it's because of this yeah. it's because of that right. and if you stop doing this if you stop going here if you stop talking to that person you're gonna you're gonna find it's easier to live for god if you're constantly looking at stuff and, and hanging out with people that they don't live for God and they don't want to please God, and they don't want to serve the Lord, you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle. You're going to struggle so much. But it's when you allow revelation to happen and God to speak into your life. And there's separation that happens. You find it's easier to live for God because I'm separating myself. 
2 Corinthians chapter 6 and 14. If you have it, why don't we turn there quickly? And I'm watching the clock. Second Corinthians chapter six. Second Corinthians, did I say Chronicles? Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter six, verse number fourteen. She was making sure you guys were still awake. Checking if you're still in the, if we're still in the book. I never forget my 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 parents told us that they're. Their first pastor in San Jose, every time he taught or preached, he would tell them, don't take my word for what I'm telling you tonight. Go home and read it for yourself. Amen. Go home, get your book, your Bible. Don't just go home and get your Bible. You need to have your Bible with you, number one, when you Amen. come to church and, and read it. Make sure. You know what, Sister Gina, may have, there may be a bug in that system you got. So I'm going to just double check every time. I'm going to make sure I'm reading my Bible. But. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said... I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Continuing, and we're wrapping up talking about separation. Believers are not to be, according to what we read here in the Bible, believers are not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It is a hard thing for young people to understand this. I struggled with this when I was younger, in full honesty and transparency. There were times when I saw a nice looking young lady and I said, Well, she looks pretty, she's nice. Mom and dad would say, but where does she go to church? Do you have to ask that question every time, Mom? <laughs> does she got the Holy Ghost? Really, Mom? Really? No, she doesn't go to church. But she's a nice person. We have fun. We connect. I'm telling you. If we're honest, we've all struggled with this as probably young people. But the Bible says, be ye not unequally yoked. Unequally yoked together with unbelievers. There were times in, in, in college where I met someone and uh, she went to church. It wasn't our kind of church, but she did go to church. She loved Jesus. She didn't have the full revelation. And I tried to justify it. And thankfully I had a mom and a dad and that prayed for me. And I was praying for the will of God and God shut that down. And I'm thankful that God did. I'm thankful that God did. Because you know what? You can't connect on a deep level with someone that has a different faith than you. You can't bear your soul to that person. Because you know what? You're going to always argue and 
And when it gets down to, to the nitty-gritty and to the heart, you're going to find, but you're, you're wrong. I, I don't know. And there's not a deep connection that happens. Righteousness and unrighteousness have no fellowship according to the word of God. My parents would tell me, Brother Josh, many times, you can't hang out with that guy. Nope. He could come over here and we can kind of supervise and make sure everything's good, but you're not going to go hang out at his house or her house. Why? Well, they don't go to church. We're not dating. We're just, no, it I doesn't matter. And, and probably my parents probably should have been a little bit more strict with me because I've made, you know, as a young person, you find ways to go out and do what you want to do. And you try and slip on the radar. They're a nice guy. I was introduced to stuff when I was a young person that I should never have been introduced to. Because I went to hang out with an unbeliever. There are things you can struggle with all of your life because at a young age you hung out with the wrong person. Right. And these things are there for your benefit. Right. They're not there so we can be the, the police or we can be uh, the proverbial Nazis and make sure, you know. No. God put that there so you and I would not struggle yeah. with things that we didn't have to struggle with. Believers and non-believers have no part together. The Bible says God's temple, which is our body, and idols do not have agreement. So moving quickly, what influences us? There are several things that influence us. Associates, our family, and friends. Therefore, we must restrict our fellowship with those who would influence us to do wrong. And that happens to be sometimes family. Sometimes family can be a negative influence. You say, you know what, but they're my brother. They're my cousin. They're my uncle. They're, they're this, and we're close. We've always been close. But they want to drink. They want to carouse. They want to party. They want to go to the clubs. and They want to do all these things. But they're my family. I can't be mean to them. No, there is a point in which you draw the line. You say, okay, yeah. you are my family, and I will respect you, and I will, I, I will be nice to you, but I'm not going to go where you're going, and I'm not going to live like you're living. I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be holy. No matter my family, my uncles, or my aunties, or my cousins, yeah. or no matter what, I'm going to live for God, and I'm going to, I'm going to restrict my fellowship. I'm not going to hang around an uncle all day long that all he wants to do is drink and party and, and carouse and sleep around and do this and do that. I've got to restrict my fellowship with those types of people. The other thing that can influence us is our, our environment. The places we go and we hang around with. The things that we read. Just because America has the freedom of the press and the freedom of speech doesn't mean that everything it puts out is something you should be reading or looking at. You need, we need to read God's word and other worthwhile, and I'll say it like this, carefully selected material. Carefully selected material. This is going to help me live for God or this is going to hinder me from living for God? The other thing that will influence you is what we see. God gives us victory over what is beyond our control in public. But what we watch willfully is a whole other matter. God will give you victory over the things that you see as you're walking through your life. And God will give you the ability to overcome that. But when you willfully turn something on, you're making that choice. You've got to delete, click off of, shut down, do whatever you've got to do. You could go into a whole discussion about television tonight, but television 
is a detriment. It is a detractor from Christian living, from successful Christian living, and should not be a part of our lives. What we think influences us. Satan, while he may have access to our minds, does not have power to control our minds. While the devil may throw a thought into your mind, you may think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just thought that. Oh God. You can choose to meditate and dwell upon it and 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 fabricate more and more and, and bring that to pass. Or you can say, you know what, I'm, not, I'm going to rebuke that. Right. In Jesus' name, I rebuke that thought. Yeah. You can cast down imaginations. And the Bible says every high thought, every high thing that, that comes against the knowledge of God. And the final thing, what we hear, music. Music will influence us. We're talking still about the third point of separation. And it's being separate from the world in all of these areas of our lives. It's being separate. I'm not going to live like the world. I'm not going to hang out with the world. I'm not going to talk like the world. I'm not going to look at the same things the world looks at or read the same things the world reads. I'm going to live for God. These are things that accompany salvation, your salvation experience. These are things that God will give you and God will help you with uh, so that you cannot just be saved from this world, but you can be more like him. We can be more like him. When people see us, Brother Walmer mentioned a few moments ago, we may be the only connection some people have to Jesus. We may be the only connection some people have to Jesus. Why don't we stand to our feet and we're going to be dismissed. Amen. I'd like us just to take a few moments here tonight. And I'd like us to stretch our hands to heaven. I'd like us to talk to the Lord tonight. And let's thank the Lord for his word. I want you, amen, to begin to say, God, let this word get in my heart. God, I want to pray this word that you've given us. I want to pray it to my spirit, God. Though some of it, God, I may not have liked tonight. It may not have sat well with me. God, I do see that it's in your word. And God, I pray you'd help me to get through this tonight. Help me, God, to, uh, Lord, to apply your words to my life, God. There are things, God, that when the preacher preaches or the teacher teaches, it doesn't uh, agree with me and how I'm living, God. But I know it's from you, God, and I know you've got my best intentions in mind. So help me, God, to be transformed. Help me to be what you want me to be. Help me to be more like you. Help me to be the man, the woman, the boy, the girl, the young person that you want me to be. God, I believe you want to take us to a greater place in you, to greater heights in God. Lord, to a greater height in you, Lord. And God, to go a little bit higher, I've got to, I've got to relinquish some baggage. I've got to relinquish some things. I've got to let go of some things that I've been holding on to. And I've got to reach for something more in you, God. I've got to be transformed. I've got to be more like you, Lord. Help me, God, to let go of the way that I'm living. That I might grab a hold of what you want me to be like. God, I pray, Lord, you would transform us. God, help me to resist being conformed to this world. Help me to resist being conformed 
to this world. Help me to resist every inkling in my flesh that wants to conform, that wants to bow to the pressure. God, help me to resist the urge of my flesh to bow to the pressures in this world. Help me to be confirmed, me to be transformed. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let our church be what you want it to be tonight, God. Oh, don't let us stay the same, God. Push us, Lord. Push me, Lord, further. God, make me uncomfortable at times that I might keep going forward. That I might keep going forward in you, God. That I might be what you want me to be. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah.